0: Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. Today, we take a deep dive into Pandora. The Briar Patch is set to be replaced with the Bayou at Disney Parks. And Disney is about to put a spell on trailer time. So, join us as we discuss all this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hello, my name is Kevin. If you're joining us for the first time, well, we are geekcentric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things geek-centric. We're back with another edition of This Week in Geek, where we'll look at all the latest news and trailers from the Geekiverse. Of course, I can't do this alone. Now, if I'm the leader of this week's show, that would make me the Winifred Sanderson of this podcast, which of course means I'll be joined by, well, at least one of my Sanderson siblings – uh, he's much like a witch in that he's always making magic on this show. But <laughs> instead of riding on a broom, he's casting spells into mics on a boom. Uh, it's my witchy friend Nate. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Can
1: I be the Jimmy? Can I be Kathy the Jimmy? Yes. Is that okay? I, I, everyone wants to be the Jimmy, of course. <laughs> Let's go. So wait, so you're <laughs> Bette Midler. Justin would be Sarah Jessica Parker I'm you assuming. you know he's got
0: that bit of uh, <laughs> aloofness to him at times you just if you get will. him in a
1: blonde wig I think it would happen <laughs> I think it can happen I'm doing good man I'm uh I I had a, an interesting day I was scammed on eBay uh, on on a purchase that I had made but thankfully the wonderful people at eBay helped me to get my money back um, so and then I immediately spent it again so. So there we go. Great. Well, yeah, 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 you have to. I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> if you get the money back, it's just got to go back on. Was it on the same item that you had originally yes. intended to purchase? Yeah, I ordered, or? it, okay, I ordered nice. a Steam
1: Deck off eBay because I don't want to wait till the year 2025 to get one because then the next one's going to be out by then. And their production, they just announced actually recently that they doubled their production, but that doesn't do anything for me if I order today. So, um, so yeah, I... I, uh, I, I I took the plunge. I bought, spent more than I should have, uh, but I'm excited to to get that Steam Deck in my hands and talk about it on the podcast. Oh, it's
0: going to be amazing. And, and yeah, you know, man. we were sort of talking quickly uh, off air about this. And it, it is just nice that in today's day and age, I mean, five years ago, it could be a real hassle if oh, somebody yeah. scammed you, trying to get the money back and everything. But places like eBay, things like PayPal, those they, they've really shored up all their uh, their services to give me as a as a purchaser a lot more confidence
1: yeah man what was your i want to know what was your first ebay purchase because that for everyone i think everyone has their first ebay purchase it's a really big deal back in the day because like you were saying it was kind of the wild west we had no idea how anything worked <laughs> It's just like you go on the internet, you're giving someone somewhere money, and they ship something to you. What was what was your first eBay purchase?
0: I'm almost positive it would have been my uh, signed Joe Carter bobblehead. Um, <laughs> um, it That's was, an eBay uh, purchase him, for sure. Yeah, yeah. him <laughs> leaping in the air uh, uh, in momentum of, of his big home run in 1993, winning the World Series. Um, and that went that went off without a hitch. I've yeah. since bought, you know, dozens and dozens. I, I don't want to <laughs> say hundreds, but it might be of pops and other such collectibles. And yeah, and you know, always going, why didn't I buy it when it came out? I knew right? I was going to want it. Didn't yeah. buy it at retail,
1: and then ended up paying five times or more. That's wh- like I, that should know, be could've. that should be eBay's slogan. You didn't buy it. Or, you didn't buy it when it came out five times or more. Like like that's that's it every <laughs> single time. Um, my first purchase that I can remember when I was really young. It was like my parents had to help me with it and everything, and uh, I ordered and I don't know why, but it's like dumb kid things that you when you're a kid you want certain things because you think you're actually gonna use them. Uh, I <laughs> we got off eBay a didgeridoo. A legitimate didgeridoo (laughs) from Australia. It has
0: to. It better be. Yeah. It
1: was like legit. The seller was in Australia. We were like, oh, this is the real deal. I have no idea how much my parents paid for it, Um, but it had like a wax top on it, and it was like ready to go, and I managed to get a noise out of it, but dude. I gave up pretty quickly on the,
0: the didgeridoo. They it are to, incredibly yeah. difficult to play. But <laughs> yeah, I do man. like that you got an authentic one. That's not something you want to buy from, like, Dayton, Ohio. You know? Right. That's, <laughs> yes, That's, that's got to be from the, the source. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wicked. Well, uh, you know, now that uh, we've got our purchasing info out of the way, I think this is an excellent time to jump to the news. It's all about the details. All right, well, our first story comes from Ryan Gajewski at The Hollywood Reporter. Apparently, Taron Egerton says he's met with Marvel's Kevin Feige, hoping for a shot to play Wolverine, oh. though the Rocket Man actor admitted he would be a bit apprehensive if given a chance to play the X-Men character. After portraying Sir Elton John, Taron Egerton is hoping to someday embody a different iconic figure. Of course, we're talking about Logan. The actor, 32, has met with Marvel Studios brass, including President Kevin Feige, uh, saying that he would like to follow in Hugh Jackman's footsteps as the next Wolverine. Uh, I don't think it would be wrong to say that, Edgerton said. I'd be excited, but I'd be apprehensive as well, because Hugh is so associated with the role that I'd wonder if it'd be very difficult for somebody else to do it. Uh, The actor went on to say, but hopefully if it does come around, they'll give me a shot. Jackman, who co-starred with Edgerton in 2016's terrific Eddie the Eagle, last played the X-Men member in 2017's Logan. This isn't the first time that Edgerton has spoken publicly about the character. In 2019, he told British GQ that he was aware of some Marvel fans' hopes that he'd be cast as Wolverine. Uh, So I know we've talked about this topic a whole bunch on the podcast over the last few years. uh, But could you picture... Eddie the Eagle, as arguably the most iconic X-Men character, Uh, is there another actor you still think would be better suited for the role, or do you just want them to cast the part so the speculation can end?
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, it's funny. I think we've definitely talked a lot about the ideas of... You know, do we do we ever get to see Hugh Jackman mixed in with our modern day MCU people? Um, Do we get to actually see that when the X Men make their debut, uh, or at some point? Um, And so the idea of of going with a completely different cast. I mean, again. With the multiverse, I think anything is possible. So we could technically get both uh, of those options. Um, But I think, yeah, man, I think didn't didn't Taron Egerton come in up as like an option for a total recast at one point when we were talking about Wolverine? Or or, I I think one of the
0: three of us might have done it. You know, I'm a huge Egerton fan, so it might have even been me. Even though I've kind of switched gears a little on my who I'd have play the character now. Right, uh, I could totally see that being me, just because the guy's just so charming and likable i think he'd be a great younger version of the character than yeah. you know we sort of got with with Hugh Jackman but you know at 32 he's he's not too too young that i don't think you know you 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 can age up pretty easily with some facial scruff and you know yeah. and you you lower the voice a bit and and toughen up so no i could definitely see him in the role
1: yeah and it's better it's almost better that he's a bit shorter right I think like that's that's the character uh originally right and so yeah man maybe go like I, I I'm just trying to picture it in my mind though like do they go with the orange jumpsuit style right do they go classic because um, I think if if they are going to do a different it's this is a new Wolverine they need to differentiate from the black jacket the white t-shirt and the jeans and the haircut right like they need to sort of Find a way that, okay, not only is it a different, you know, is it Taron, but it's, 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 this is a, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're mixing it up a little bit. We don't want to remind you of Hugh Jackman because I think that is one of, especially, and he says he's nervous about it. I would be nervous too if, unless they were, they were going a completely different direction with it. And even then, that's still got to be pretty scary because you'll never, you'll never satisfy all of the MCU fans, all of the Marvel fans, all of the Wolverine fans, there's always going to be those people that are just going to be like, well, it's not Hugh Jackman, so it's not good enough, right? So
0: Exactly. You, you got you to gotta almost approach it, uh, you know, uh, like a Venn diagram where you, you've you got your diehard only <laughs> Hugh Jackman. You've got yeah. your, you know, anybody else. Let's try something new. You got to try and hit that circle in the middle that bridges those two gaps. Right yeah. in the, the sweet spot there. And just forget about everybody else. Because like you said, you'll never please uh, anybody. Um, but yeah, I, I I just don't know if I can picture him as the really short, stout, uh, original version of the character. Like you said, in that orange outfit. I don't yeah, you know. Yeah. Who, um, who would you want? It's interesting. Who,
1: who do, We've talked about it, right? Who would oh, you want? So
0: I've definitely talked about it, at least with J-Law. Um, but yeah. I am 100% for Canadian-born actor. Jared Kiso uh, from Letterkenny fame. Yes, you did bring this Um, up. Yeah, I think he'd be terrific in the role. He plays a tough guy perfectly in the show. He's the best fighter in Letterkenny after all. Um, Mm. And his delivery of just sarcastic, mean humor, the jokes and everything, the way he could pick on on uh, Cyclops I think he'd just be perfect for the role and being a Canadian gives him super brownie points for me so that's my long shot um you know I'm not going to say I I wouldn't be a little disappointed but I don't expect that to happen um I could see it going to somebody with a bit more name power like like a
1: Terran here Mm, interesting interesting yeah honestly and and I think I think there is maybe a way that you can satisfy the fans by by utilizing the multiverse to give us almost like a Hugh Jackman send-off. I mean, we've already gotten that in the best way possible with Logan. Like, it, it, you know, I think it—I don't know. Part of me wants to see him in the MCU interacting, and then another part of me is just like, no, like, that's it. We're good. Uh, but if they did almost like a Force Awakens-style passing of the claws, if you will, to, to Taron— um, maybe yeah, that's I how think, they could get away I with think, it.
0: I think you have almost even a different version of Logan being played by Hugh Jackman. So it's not the one that's from all the movies we've already seen. Um, therefore, that one can still have its proper send-off. But right. then you find a way from a different dimension to get uh, a different version of Wolverine. And, and this time, have him in the true like form, 90s cartoon yellow outfit. Just look yeah. like... You want to see Hugh Jackman in that outfit once, you know what I mean? And it yeah. can be a quick two-minute scene where he just makes an appearance, you know, looking good, bub, and something like that. And right. That's it. I think that'd be a really <laughs> they, fun they, easy way. They fist way. bump.
1: They fist bump claws or something.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, But yeah, that's a cool way to have him there. and he's made his his presence felt, but it uh, it also does nothing to tarnish the amazing things that they ended up doing with that character specifically in Logan. So. Totally. Uh, I, you know, it's so that's such a tough task that that Feige and Marvel have uh, oh when gosh. when just dealing with that one specific character, let alone that that entire franchise as a whole. So, uh, I wish them good luck. But uh, let's shift our focus now from one big franchise to another franchise that is about to be massive and is about to be talked about for the next. Ten years plus, I think, <laughs> with the way these are going to be filmed and released. Um, yeah. Our next story is actually a trifecta of juicy little pieces of yovo fruit. Uh, now, yovo fruit <laughs> is obviously the delectable treat found on yes. Pandora in the Avatar mm-hmm. films. And as the release of Avatar 2 nears, we are starting to get even more info about the upcoming film and its three subsequent sequels. The first of three stories comes from Jeremy Mathai at slash Film. Once Avatar The Way of Water finally makes its uh, long-delayed debut, the blockbuster sequel will likely provide us answers to all of our most burning questions. Uh, Will modern audiences feel as eager as they did back in 2009 to visit the world of Pandora and its blue-skinned inhabitants? Can director James Cameron prove the doubters wrong once again and lead an ambitious project to box office glory? And are we about to get even more disturbing details about Navi procreation techniques? Uh, as Mathai says, for the sickos among us, the answer to that last question appears to be a resounding and slightly confusing yes. Uh, thanks to a huge spread in uh, Empire Magazine, uh, there's a feature on the upcoming Avatar sequel, and we've been introduced to a brand new character in the film who will be played by a familiar face. Sigourney Weaver, whose character mm-hmm. Dr. Grace Augustine died during the climax of the original movie, is returning not as a res- resurrected Augustine as one would naturally assume, uh, especially given our next story, but as a completely different character altogether. Apparently, Weaver will play a character named Kiri, the adopted daughter of returning characters Jake Sully, played by Sam Worthington, and Neytiri, played by Zoe Saldana. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the 60-something-year-old actress playing a character many,
1: many decades younger than herself? I mean, this is, this is bringing de-aging to a whole new... It's a whole new frontier that uh, that James has kind of embarked upon here. Um, I honestly, I'm okay with it. I guess I, I I I think I don't know how many people out there are like watching the first Avatar movie every single day of their lives and just like they know every single character and they know what they all sound like. So even if even if Curie sounds like Sigourney Weaver a little bit. I don't think that's going to impact uh, too much. I, I think it's cool that they can even pull this sort of thing off. I, I again, they're they're fully digital characters, but I guess they're doing they're doing mocap. So I don't know how that works. If if Sigourney is in the mocap suit, or if they've got someone with like a younger face.
0: Well, so the the article itself um, goes into a little bit more detail, uh, but I think uh, because we're talking about three sort of different interesting stories from this i've sort of just given the bare bones uh, but if mm. you are interested in learning any more really specific details go check out the big massive special they did in empire magazine because i think it's just loaded full of details um yeah the imagery but they is gorgeous too. Mention, the pictures yeah the, the pictures yeah, are really it's, nice it's getting me excited even more than the trailer somehow um mm-hmm. but no the the article does go on to say that it was um it was Sigourney doing the mocap for the character. Okay, James Cameron's gone on to say she just embraced it entirely, and so it's almost neat that you know once you get older and you start getting pigeonholed into all these older roles that are kind of the, you're the you're the old doctor, you're the old this, you're the yes. grandma, you're the whatever. For yeah. an older actor, you would almost never get this opportunity to go play a teenager again, and this technology uh, makes that possible. And I wonder if that was sort of James Cameron's. Almost gift to Sigourney. They've worked together for for most of his career, and so it's kind of like here's a chance to play something you never thought you you know be able to play again. So that's kind of neat in that regard.
1: Yeah, man. I think it's uh, it'll be it'll be really interesting. I think it's going to be again. It, it kind of falls in line with the aspect of of stunt casting and and sort of just like everyone's going to kind of you know they're going to check out the movie because they're interested in Avatar too, but they also want to see you know how how did they pull that off? How does Sigourney Weaver become? This, uh, this, this daughter character.
0: 100%. Uh, yeah, no, I, I look forward to seeing how they pull that off. Um, and now our next bit of Avatar news uh, features another return from an actor who died in the first one, but in a very different way. Uh, yeah. This story comes from Kevin McCall at Collider. Uh, with the death of his character, Colonel Miles Quaritch in Avatar, many were surprised to learn that Stephen Lang would be returning to the role in the upcoming sequel. With so much anticipation and speculation for the movie, uh, the actor revealed more details about this return, again, in the uh, Empire Magazine article that I've referenced. The villain, who was killed in the first film after receiving two arrows to the chest, will be returning in the sequel as a (laughs) a recombinant, which are Avatar clones that hold the memories of human soldiers. The characters won't be returning alone, as the film will have a whole set of Avatar soldiers ready for battle. Uh, with the memories of what happened to him from the first film, this newer v- version of Quaritch is now on a quest for revenge. Quaritch won't be the only one coming back for revenge, as the RDA, the same company from the first film, is also set to return with newer technology to combat the Na'vi. The company will once again be stripping for more resources from Pandora, but this time around, they have an eye for its oceans. Unlike, Hell's, unlike the Hell's Gate facility seen in the first film, the RDA has now built a large city on Pandora called Bridgehead, with a 3D printing facility that will be used to create weapons. With the return of the same villains from the first film, alongside a set of Avatar soldiers ready for battle, Avatar The Way of Water is shaping up to be an action-packed spectacle that audiences have come to expect from a James Cameron film. So I wanted to ask, with so many returning characters, themes, and story elements, does this sound like a bit too much of a rehash of the first film? Or, with James Cameron as director... Uh, who you trust to make bigger, in fact, better? Much like he did with aliens, is that what you think um, we'll get here?
1: It's it's funny because you're reading out all these descriptions of what did, what are they called? The combine combinator, <laughs> whatever they are. Um, the the, uh, the recombinants. Recombinants, right? Your recombinants. We got a, a 3D printing facility that's making weapons. Again, you're reading it all out, and I'm just like, this sounds like the stupidest thing ever. But, <laughs> but, but to be fair, to be completely fair, and we're huge Star Wars fans. There's a lot of moments in Star Wars that we could read out to someone who's never seen it, and uh, and they would be like, that sounds like the silliest thing ever. So, uh, I, you know, I'm I trust, as you said, he's he's good at making sequels. I, I'm a little, I'm a little bit disappointed if if uh, Quaritch is the big bad. I really hope that's not the case. I hope there's some sort of uh, additional main villain besides him or someone that he's working for or or in some way because I just I don't again like you said is it going to be too similar to the the original? I think you know we're we're putting him into a a Navi skin suit and and he's if he's doing the exact same things it could end up feeling a little bit too samey, even though he is he's got the power of the, the Navi. Um, I don't know, man. It it's it's a very interesting and and uh, you know, interesting idea, but it's just like You've got how many of these movies that, that they're gonna be doing and 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 you're bringing this guy back already like what if they had saved that for like a, a fourth one and then they could have had one character just turn and without any explanation say uh, Colonel Miles Korich, somehow he's returned and that's all they need to say according to Star Wars rules you know like they could have made it a bigger impact I'm a little I'm a little worried about this aspect specifically.
0: See now, like you said, when at first glance, reading it the first time, I think I'd I'd be right there with you, going, "Ah, man!" But I think reading more about how planned out these five films are, it's, yeah. he's not just saying, "I want to make five and I'll figure out the story as we go along." He has apparently plotted these out, and and there there are reasons things are happening when they do, and it's all about you know cr- creating a, a huge sweeping narrative, and so I think. The idea here is this is almost your bridge your bridge villain between movies one and say three, mm. where it combines a little bit of a step forward with also a little bit of familiarity before we just jump right on to maybe the next bigger batter threat and so if that's the case uh and I mean Stephen Lang was terrific as the villain, you know a bit stereo- the the role's a bit stereotyped and, and a bit cliched, but he brought a lot of energy to it, and so to see him to think of him being. You know, bigger, badder, and angrier than he was in the first film. Uh, you know, and hell bent on so much more than just stripping resources, but getting revenge. I think, I think that's
1: a natural progression of the character, and, and could actually work. I'd be intrigued. You know, the the old adage of uh, if you can't beat him, join him. Um, I'd be intrigued to see if you know his army of of soldiers that have been brought back as these uh, recombinants. Like, if maybe we get to see some of them switch sides join our our Navi forces. When we first saw the trailer and I don't I think we might have talked about it on a podcast, but we kinda speculated, okay, maybe there's gonna be another tribe that doesn't agree with um, you know, Jake Salee's tribe and Natiri's tribe. Like maybe they're gonna be at odds, but clearly it's just these recombinants that are walking in with the guns blazing. Um so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I wonder if they have a way to even Go so far as to redeem his character into something else. I think could be interesting. Um, but if it ends up just being like, literally, he's just—it's just a revenge mission for him. That doesn't sound all too compelling. So I need—I need you know. Obviously, we're—we're we're, you know, we're not too far out. It's what is it? December that we're getting the movie. Yes, December
0: sixteenth, okay. it'll be uh, hitting theaters. So we've okay. got a little ways to go, but that's also time to find out a bit more. Hopefully, not too much, but a bit more about maybe what the film really centers on and what it's going to be about. Um, um, And, you know, again, I I think James Cameron has done so well with sequels in the past that, that I, I maybe trust him. Uh, Now, speaking of James Cameron, our final story comes from Ben Travis at empire online, who says that the director might not direct avatar four and five himself. James Cameron's always been a filmmaker with a vision, a director who sees and imagines possibilities that the rest of us simply can't. And after changing the game with Avatar, taking a high concept original idea and turning it into the highest grossing film of all time, his next vision was to create an epic new four film saga set in the same universe, telling a huge story on the glowing planet of Pandora. The first of those films, which we've been talking about so far today, Avatar The Way of Water, hit cinemas, uh, as we said, this December. And the as-yet-untitled third film is set to follow in 2024, having shot back-to-back. Down the line, Avatar 4 and 5 will go into production, also planned to film together. But while this whole endeavor was Cameron's idea, one thing that's less certain is whether he'll be the one to direct those final two films. Uh, Speaking to Empire in the uh, the upcoming World Exclusive Avatar: The Way of Water issue, the legendary filmmaker opened up about his plans for the later movies in the series, including the possibility that he may appoint someone else to bring this this saga to its conclusion. The Avatar films, uh, he said, the Avatar films uh, themselves are kind of all-consuming. I've got some other things I'm developing as well that are exciting. I think eventually over time, I don't know if that's after three or after four, I'll want to pass the baton to a director that I trust to take over so I can go do some other stuff that I'm also interested in. Or maybe not. I don't know. Previously, Cameron handed across Alita Battle Angel, a project he long planned to adapt for the screen, to director Robert Rodriguez while Mm -hmm. remaining on board as executive producer and co-writer. Still, Avatar is Cameron's own world, and he sounds particularly enthused about where the story goes in the later movies. So I was saving this little tidbit uh, in response to you saying... Uh, you know, maybe changing the order of when the uh, the character, Stephen Lang's colonel character returns. Uh, Cameron said, everything I need to say about family, about sustainability, about climate, about the natural world, the themes that are important to me in real life and in my cinematic life, I can say on this canvas. I got more excited as I went along. Movie four is a corker. It's a motherfucker. I actually (laughs) hope I get to make it, but it depends on market forces. Three is in the can, so it's coming out regardless. I really hope that we get to make wow. four and five because it's one big story ultimately. Uh, so it sounds like again he's going to go bigger, 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 bigger as the, the 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 series goes on. And so, like I was trying, I was trying to deduce from everything we're reading here. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is just that natural progression, and that's why we're getting the return of the character uh, Stephen Lang played so soon because there's bigger, crazier things. I mean, when you describe. Your your movie idea as a mother blanker, um, uh, you know that gets me excited.
1: Yeah, man, that's <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. Like the fact that he was even just going so far as to say three is in the can, like they've they've already gotten that all all wrapped up and ready to go. Um, so that means we're obviously going to see it. I'm I'm assuming it'll just be a year away. Maybe uh, we'll they be They said 2024. It. 2024. Okay. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So not too far out. Um, but dude, like just it's okay so he does have plans for this he does have some some ideas i think the only thing the only thing that does kind of freak me out a little bit is the idea of having different directors come in step in to to tell this story and adapt this story we've seen how that can negatively impact these sagas uh as a big star wars fan with with episodes uh, 7 8 and 9 just feeling so disjointed um i could really see that happening for this but it's also at a place where, like, Avatar isn't Star Wars yet. Um, maybe it can get there, possibly. <laughs> maybe not that much, but it'll get up there uh, with the fandom. And so it'll be interesting. If if 2 and 3 do really, really well, there's going to be some hardcore audience. We might even be part of that audience uh, that are going to want to see it carried through and if they if they go out and announce like oh yeah we got Guillermo del Toro doing number four, and it's like a it's a very different vibe that could really throw things off.
0: I agree. Uh, I think because so much of this film is is based in its aesthetics, that vision has to be carried over throughout to keep that that sense of uh, continuity. Yeah. Uh, I would say the only difference between say episodes seven, eight, nine, and episodes two, three, four, five in the Avatar world, is that Mm -hmm. it sounds like even if Cameron didn't direct, he's got the ideas for those movies plotted out, starting at two all the way through five. So it's not like he's going to make two, then figure out the story for three, then maybe somebody else comes in and figures out what to do next for four and five. It sounds like it would at least... The foundations would be there and it would just be, you know, coming in and, and continuing the story with maybe a bit of your own perspective, but still having the the, the ideas that Cameron set forth to tell uh, in place.
1: Well, I, for one, am really looking forward to seeing the Navi get a little more political, I think would be great. Maybe if they do like prequels and they talk about the Trade Federation, how do they get all their equipment? <laughs> right. Like, how does that work? Do they? <laughs> um, yeah, man. No, I, uh, I, I again. I'm getting amped up. I'm getting hyped up. I've I'm one of the few, like. I really liked Avatar. I don't know about everyone. I had a it's, blast. It was I had great. A blast. I only yeah. watched
0: it twice in theaters. I think that's yeah. where it had to be seen. That's where it really came across the best. And I think that that will very much be the case here. This is a theater movie, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, no, uh, but I, I do wonder if it will sort of captivate the world the same way the first one did. Has it been too long? Uh, have other movies and technology caught up or is James Cameron ready to sort of blow our, our socks off with, with something new that we've never seen before? Oh, again? I'm hoping, and I really I'm hoping do by think...
1: five, dude, I want to have a suit that I have to wear to go in. It's like virtual reality. I actually feel things. You know, maybe there's an adult package where you plug in your tail I or say, whatever, your, ha- your, your hair braid and you feel some stuff. Sign me up. Right? <laughs>
0: oh, man. Uh, that, well, who knows? <laughs> with James Cameron, anything is possible. Uh, but I really do think, first and foremost, the success of two and three will dictate uh, just how far we yeah. go with this series, and whether Cameron's even, even talking about making four and five if two and three flop. Um, you know, yeah. and it's pretty sure. high expectations when you when you release the the highest grossing film ever made. Uh, the yeah. follow up has a lot of pressure on it, so, so good luck, James. Good luck with that one. Totally. Alrighty, righty. Our final story of the day comes from Julia Humphrey at Collider. Disney's The Princess and the Frog Ride, Tiana's Bayou Adventure, is coming in 2024. Uh, the ride is coming to both Disneyland and Disney World Parks. During an Essence Fest panel in New Orleans, Disney officially announced the name and release year for its Splash Mountain Replacement. Beginning in late 2024, visitors can experience the Princess and the Frog in a new attraction called Tiana's Bayou Adventure. The upcoming attraction, uh, as I said, will be available in both the Florida and California parks. First announced in 2020, Tiana's Bayou Adventure replaces the controversial Song of the South-themed Splash Mountain, which was a a childhood favorite of mine um, and I think a lot of others, but as you sort of explored uh, the resource material for that ride, it it began to feel a little bit inappropriate. Uh, The Mm -hmm. new ride, I think, seeks to really, really uh, erase these, you know, These connotations uh, by providing visitors with a reimagining of Princess Tiana's world, creating a magical and immersive experience. The ride draws from the history, art, and culture of New Orleans. It will be a musical adventure that takes place after the events of the movie with original music inspired by the songs from the movie. It follows Princess Tiana, Naveen, and Louis as they prepare to host a special Mardi Gras celebration at Tiana and Naveen's castle. Along the way, visitors will see other familiar characters and meet new ones as they journey through the bayou. In order to create the world of Tiana's bayou adventure, Walt Disney Imagineers conducted extensive research on the culture and natural environments of Louisiana. The research trip video reveals different tours, museums, and other locations the team visited. They were able to gain a closer look at different exhibits and talk with academics to learn about all facets of New Orleans culture in order to bring visitors the most authentic recreation possible. Uh, And finally, about Tiana's Bayou Adventure, uh, Charita Carter, executive producer of Relevancy Activations at Walt Disney Imagineering, said, In many ways, Tiana's Bayou Adventure is a love letter to New Orleans. Like the musical city that inspired this attraction, Tiana's second act is about a community working in harmony to achieve something extraordinary. She reminds us of an immutable truth we can all relate to. If you do your best each and every day, Good things are sure to come your way. And that's a melody we can all sing along to. Disney is yet to announce a specific launch date for the ride. Uh, but in the meantime, The Princess and the Frog is streaming now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and I will just start by saying, if you haven't seen that movie or haven't seen it in a while, check it out. It is, in my opinion, maybe the most underrated Disney animation film ever perhaps it just i think so it doesn't get yeah. almost any other love it's so amazing it's such a throwback to the old animated classics that we grew up with our parents grew up with our grandparents grew up with it's just such a great throwback tiana's a great character her her companions in the tale are so enjoyable oh and likable yeah. um i love that movie dude i
1: it's it's funny because <clears throat> that movie like watching that movie on blu-ray in like with a gorgeous display is just such a treat and it just it's it's every time I I, I go back and I see it or you know we, we're seeing uh <clears throat> I think they announced there's a new animated series uh that's gonna be coming out following some of these adventures we might get to see on the ride and uh and they they they've now on their uh vlog on the Disney parks blog they did show off her new outfit which I think is the same uh imagery from the uh the announcement of the the new series but I, I got to say, dude, every time I see that or I see I go back and watch the movie, it just makes me a little bit sad that Disney's just kind of abandoned that look for their uh, for their animated films. And they've gone to the frozen and the, the don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I dig Tangled like Tangled a great movie, but I do really miss this this updated version of the classic cartoons uh, and I think it would be really dope if they brought that back. As far as the ride is concerned, yes, I did watch uh, the video of the Imagineers exploring uh, new orleans and 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 kind of bring, you know, taking everything in. I think that's awesome how they do that. Like imagine getting to be on that trip and just being one of the Imagineers. It's just like all paid trip all across New Orleans. You get to go to these different historical locations, and you're literally just taking pictures. On your phone, so you can go back and and put it into a ride. Um, I think is really really cool. I, I love the um, apparently during the panel. It was also re- they when they revealed her new look. Um, they kind of drew trends from like the present, or sorry, from the 1920s. Uh, and apparently, they also wanted to emphasize the versatility of black women's hair and its significance to their identity uh, across geographies and generations. Um, and so I think it it'll, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they translate that into their, their animatronic figures as well. Like, you know, they've been blowing my, our minds recently with these anima- animatronic figures since, like, we've just talked about all of the Avatar stuff, like, the avatar animatronic or even hondo onaka i think is incredible um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how they do it if it's going to look you know maybe a little more realistic or if they're going to kind of keep that still that cartoony vibe or if they go with a different sort of look to it but my my biggest question about this entire ride though is there a big splash at the end do we do we get soaked you can't you can't get rid of
0: the drop in that ride so it will right. be really interesting to see how they 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 make that happen and and i've been i've been pondering this ever since i i mean i would like to say that years ago on this podcast i came out and said if you're going to rebrand splash mountain do it in the princess and the frog theme yeah <laughs> just cuz i figured a log a log ride would fit into a louisiana you know, Bayou theme so well. Uh, mm-hmm. But the big question was, how do you get the drop? And I was thinking, no, not, uh, there's spoilers for the movie coming up if you are planning now on going to check this out, because uh, I do recommend that. But what if just at the end to celebrate the party maybe you go up with some fireworks maybe you go up and and get a little bit closer to ray as he's in the sky as the uh. night star there and and get one like last goodbye to that character before coming back down and and splashing into the party i mean i don't know how else they could really do it. It is totally. the biggest mystery I have for this ride.
1: Well, I think if if anything, the only th- so they'll ha- I think they'll have to include a splash. I think that that's going to be if they took that away. I think you know I I, I I don't think again I don't I would like to think there's not too many fans of the themes of song of the south from where it came from but that splash is iconic that moment is iconic for splash mountain so they're they're going to have to find a way to bring it in but what i really want i think would be a big miss if they didn't give me that that beignet smell they're so good with their scents uh and and you know mm. spraying that that spray that you can smell stuff give me a moment where we're going through like a, a like i don't know like a kitchen or 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 a diner or something like that and you smell the beignets like Dude, that would be or, that would be awesome. I mean,
0: <laughs> that whole area around Splash Mountain is pretty big and has never really been utilized. The whole space, when I mean at least, at, I can't picture it at Disneyland, but at Disney World, yeah. you sort of go down a little slope around the big, the big ride itself, and there's just a huge courtyard and area. Turn that into a uh, you know uh, a New Orleans square with shops and oh, shop dude. windows. Sell beignets right down there, like make world class yeah. beignets and sell them from that area. Like, I really hope the whole area gets a rebranding that would be uh, with
1: awesome. that. That'd be awesome. I'm I'm stoked for this. This is when is this? 2024, late 2024. 2024, yes. So yes. we'll so have to go around I imagine the holidays.
0: Yeah, imagine that, yeah. or maybe our, our our if we do a California trip in 2025, it'll be it'll be right there, ready for us to, there to we check go. out. But uh, there we go. I'm certainly going to be excited, and I think this is such a and I mean this in the best possible way. This is such a woke way for for Absolutely. Disney to fix the the mistakes of the past and to celebrate everything that is uh black culture and the differences in different parts of of the world and the country and and everything like that. I think it's an awesome opportunity and it sounds like they're they're working really really hard to uh embrace that as best they can.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they again people are like the 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 there's so many mistakes that uh that you know these corporations have made. And so getting to see this, I think, is is fantastic. Let's keep going, though. I think, obviously, there's a lot more that can be changed. Uh, and obviously, it, with all the recent events that have been happening in the States, um, there's just more and more outcry, I think, for for these <clears throat> places that, you know, we use as an escape to still embrace and and understand that and, and bring that to the forefront, because I, it's... Again, there not everyone even at Disney World or Disneyland can escape uh, some of these realities, and so I think you know addressing that and and talking about it and bringing it to a conversation even on a Disney ride, um, I think is really important. So I think that's I'm stoked absolutely, for this, so, and I mean, yeah.
0: and think about the best way to sort of to teach, to educate, to uh, to to reach somebody with a message is when they're engaged and what yeah. Where are you ever more engaged with with your surroundings and what's going on than when you're sort of lost and, and having a, a good time at, at a Disney park? So, yeah. Totally. No, it sounds like this is going to be a really cool new experience, and uh, I can't wait. Uh, now, I had mentioned that uh, Princess and the Frog is available on Disney+. Plus. And speaking of movies on Disney+, Plus, there's a movie on there that I watch every October – that is getting a sequel this year. Uh, and so I think we ought to talk about that now because... It's trailer time! Alright, well, if you couldn't tell in the intro, this first trailer has me stoked. This Halloween season, some legends never die. Hocus Pocus 2, an original movie event, streaming September 30th on Disney+. Plus. Stars Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy reuniting for their highly anticipated Disney Plus original movie *Hocus Pocus 2*. The live-action, long-awaited sequel to the perennial Halloween classic, which brings back the delightfully wicked Sanderson sisters for more comedic mayhem, will debut, as I said, on September 30th. It's been 29 years since someone lit the black flame candle and resurrected the 17th century sisters, and they are looking for revenge. Now it is up to three high school students to stop the ravenous witches from wreaking a new kind of havoc on Salem before dawn on All Hallows' Eve. Hocus Pocus 2 also stars Doug Jones, Whitney Peak, Lilia Buckingham, Belisa Escobedo, Hannah Waddingham, Tony Hale, Sam Richardson, Juju Brenner, Froy uh, Gutierrez, Taylor Page Henderson, and Nina Kitchen. The film was directed by Ann Fletcher, written by Jen D'Angelo, and produced by Lynn Harris. Hmm. Um, so, Nate, I know... Uh, this came out uh last week at some point, and you said, You know I've never been too big on the the first one or it was never that sort of as it's described here a perennial
1: watch for you around the holly- ha- Halloween season.
0: What's wrong with you, man? what's wrong with you?
1: <laughs> you know what it it's more along the lines of just like i didn't it wasn't in my uh eyeballs growing up i didn't i didn't follow along with it i didn't I didn't grow up with it as much uh and so I think I just never became enamored with it as much as, obviously, other people have, and um, I'm excited to kind of go back and, and check it out. I, I, I'm i fairly certain, like, I've watched it, but I can only remember maybe the beginning. I think there's a part where somebody comes out of the ground or something, I, I think. Absolutely, absolutely, Yes, okay. Yep. All right, so let's see. There's something, there's something up there, but um, this looks interesting. This looks uh, kind of like they're going to be focusing on this younger cast. I'm wondering... Like, the three main leads, um, the Izzy, Becca, and Cassie, I'm wondering if maybe this becomes kind of like a a Force Awakens thing. Like, maybe they're going to try and stop the Sanderson sisters, but then they're cursed to become the new witches of Salem. Because, you know, Disney, they like to make money, and so, like, are they going to do a third one, or are they going to do a reboot, or are they going to do a series uh, with this, given its popularity? I'm wondering if maybe that's the direction this goes, but I like, uh, I like Sam Richardson. I enjoyed him in werewolves within and the after party. And he looks like he's kind of playing like the character that sort of starts this, uh, this adventure for these girls. And, um, the sisters look great, obviously. Um, I just think this is kind of weird though. Like why, why aren't they releasing this? I'm I'm, currently, I'm like like searching online of like what is being released on Disney plus in October. Um, because, like, why are they doing this in September? Why not a month later to coincide with the events happening in the film?
0: I mean, maybe maybe the idea is to kick off the Halloween season, right? Um, mm. uh, I guess. I mean, I, that's the only thing. I And, and I, I think with Halloween... If you release a movie four or five days before that, once November first rolls around, people are thinking Christmas. People Christmas, are moving yeah. on to in the states they're thinking about, even thanksgiving and 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 Black Friday with uh, the 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 sales and everything. So I think this is your better way to sort of capitalize on getting an audience to watch for a whole month rather than mm. trying to get them in four or five days before focuses shift.
1: Yeah, it looks like um, I'm just kind of looking here. 'Cause we've got we've got some episodes of Andor will still be going on in October. Hulk or She Hulk is gonna be going on, Bad Batch is gonna be going on. So I guess maybe it's a little bit overstuffed in October. Um but yeah, dude. I overall, I'm excited for, for fans like yourself who are really into it. Uh do you think it, it's it's gonna be something that I'm gonna have to watch the first one, right, to to get oh, into this? You, you, you think?
0: absolutely have to to appreciate it. I think it's yeah. it's 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 a great it's a classic movie that I mean I I might be biased because I've just kept watching it year after year so it's right. tough for me to say I haven't watched it in 15 years but it really holds up but I think even this just the performances of the 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 the, the witches um, is enough that the movie they they're terrific they bring it all Bette Midler is so amazing and she doesn't look like she's lost a step here. Yeah, um, and I'm really just I'm just excited to see them back up to their old shtick. Uh, I think there's some really fun uh, supporting members here, much like in the first one that could that could lend some some fun to the to the events. And I wonder if it won't be too much of a rehash of the first story with a bunch of kids bringing them back and having to stop them. Um, but I'm also just down to see another adventure with these three sisters.
1: Well, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but. I am seeing, um, looks like we will be getting some flashbacks uh, to the younger days of the Sanderson sisters, because I, I am seeing three young actresses uh, cast as young Winifred, young Sarah, uh, young Mary. So that might be an interesting, you know, sort of wrinkle. Maybe it's just for like a second or it's like they, they call back to something that happened. But um, I don't know, man, That's that's uh, that's intriguing to me right there off the bat. And again, I'm just... Be given that we're following three female, you know, younger girl leads, I'm wondering if there's going to be some sort of parallel between the Sanderson sisters' stories that we'll get to see in this and their own um Cause yeah, I feel like Disney's gonna want to milk this. They're gonna want a Hocus Pocus three, or they're gonna want a Hocus Pocus this, the original series on Disney Plus, where we get to follow these new uh, witches that are are honoring the legacy that came before. And this is maybe the pass off. I don't know. Everything's the Force Awakens for me, Kevin. Okay, I'm there sorry. There we go. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm sorry, You're have to shake that eventually, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, I do hope you know they they waited twenty nine years to do this. And I think that's uh, has a lot to do with the fact that it's taken 29 years for this movie to sort of gain the it's more than a cult following now but to really become so beloved. Um and I mean in that time there's the the live action Halloween show they do at the uh, Walt Disney World around the ha- yes. uh, Halloween yeah. season. Uh but I mean I noticed cuz I I'm in there looking at stuff um, every year. I've noticed so much more hocus pocus um toys and collectibles uh mm-hmm. in like spirit halloween's and stuff every year it just increases and becomes more and more so uh i just think it's fun for a new generation to get their own hocus pocus and and you know for for older folks like myself to be able to share that you know with with their kids eventually with their you know we'll each have our own hocus pocus um that's that's a lot of fun for me so i just hope it I hope it was worth it to have waited this long and 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 to be bringing it back now. I hope it's because they have a really fun movie and a really fun story to tell. But
1: yeah, and when 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 Robbie's old enough, she'll be watching uh the remake of Hocus Pocus 2. You know, I think she'll be so excited for the remake of this sequel at some point <laughs> where they bring back uh, I, see, the younger this cast is one as of those the old ones. <laughs>
0: Don't do the remakes route. Oh, yeah. please, yeah. no. Please don't do that. <laughs> Nobody will be better than than Bette Midler and yeah. Kathy and Jimmy in these roles. I yeah. can guarantee that. <laughs> uh, All righty. Uh, well, let's move on to our next trailer, which is for See How They Run, an upcoming American mystery comedy film directed by Tom George, written by Mark Chappelle and produced by Damian Jones and Gina Carter. In the film, an American film producer visits London in the 1950s to adapt a play, but things go off the rails when crew members are murdered. It stars Sam Rockwell, Sorsi Ronan, Adrian Brody, Ruth Wilson, Reese Shearsmith, Harris Dickinson, and David Oyelowo. The film is scheduled to be released in the United States on September 30th, 2022
1: by Searchlight Pictures. So, yeah, so I guess September 30th that's the same day as Hocus Pocus 2, which one are you choosing right off the bat? You're probably going to just watch Hocus Pocus
0: 2. Watching, I will be watching Hocus Pocus the second <laughs> yeah. that one comes out. Yeah. But I am excited for this one. I'll go to the theaters and see this one the next day. Uh, this looks go. like a really fun murder mystery comedy. Uh, I love that type of film. I think I think Knives Out did such a great job yeah. to show how fun that sort of film can be. And, and this, I think has a similar vibe if not a bit sillier especially at least with uh, Sorcerer Ronin's character she looks yes. she looks like she's going to be an absolute hoot in this
1: yeah I mean her, her character's name is literally Constable Stalker so like <laughs> she's clearly going to be stalking uh, maybe uh, Sam Rockwell's Inspector Stoppard is his name <laughs> Which is just, they're a little on the nose with some of these names. But I love the idea that, uh, yeah, this is Knives Out, but goofier, a murder mystery theater taking place, what seems like in a theater and then playing out like a stage play. I think um, it, the coloration and the sort of the set design looks really cool. It looks again, like you're watching a, like a play on a, on stage, um, just the, how sort of fake things look in the background, even though that's it, that is their real world. Um, and, uh, and I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be fun. I love that we're going to get to see a young Richard Attenborough played by Harris Dickinson. Uh, so all you Jurassic Park fans, like he's at some point he's got to say, you know, spared no expense or something like that. I hope, <laughs> I hope we get to hear some sort of, uh, you know, allusion to it, but, um, I think it's gonna be fun. I think they're gonna do the thing where we're gonna get to see Leo um is played by Adrian Brody. We're gonna get to see his murder played by you know, sorry, played out by each member of the cast. So they're all gonna have their own sort of spin or tail on it, and that's maybe how they keep his character going throughout the moment. Because you don't you don't cast Adrian Brody for the first five minutes of your movie and kill him. Like it's gotta be we got to keep going. There's back. a
0: point. There's a reason for him to be there, and I think you've nailed it uh, uh, right on the head with how they're going to do that, and that just creates so many fun possibilities. Um, yeah, I think I hadn't heard of this one until uh, the trailer came out, and and I always have a lot of fun with those ones where they sort of surprise you. It's almost a bit like uh, Only Murders, where you know it just sort of yes. came out of nowhere, and and I think surprised a lot of people. So. Yeah, hopefully we have a winner here, but uh, the next, uh, you know, once we get through what I like to call, uh, you know, blockbuster season, not that I've coined that or anything, it's just, you know, the <laughs> yeah. summer months, I think... Kevin's I think blockbuster season. Yeah. Wow, what a what a, what a creative concept, Kevin. <laughs> Nobody would have ever thought about it like that. Uh, no, but once we get through that sort of big blockbuster season, all the marvels and everything like that, I think mm-hmm. there's some fun, smaller films coming out uh, that... Uh, that are equal, equally exciting and, and you know, uh, just more reasons to go to the theaters or stream, you know, anything that's uh, coming our way. So very exciting stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this is, I hope this is a, this is like a, a out of nowhere success story for this movie. I hope it does end up being like really fun. Everyone's sort of talking about it and it kind of, yeah, hits us, comes out of nowhere uh, in September. Uh, yeah, looking forward to this one for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. Much like much like a knives out where it was like, oh, okay, this that one sort of built traction over being in theaters for two, three, four weeks, where it yeah. was word of mouth that really built that one up. So totally I would love another case of that here. But uh I think that's it for trailer time. So why don't we move right in to whatcha? Uh, this is where we like to talk about anything we've been watching, uh TV, movies, what have we been playing, what have we been doing? Nate, whatcha been up to lately?
1: Um. So I saw Elvis and uh, oh, okay. I took my parents uh, to the theater to see Elvis um, f- on Canada Day. Uh, so that was a nice sort of fun family activity that we got to do. Um, it did you watch it? Have you seen it yet? You know what? I've had three separate dates set to go see it with three separate yeah.
0: groups of people, and for whatever reason, all three have fallen through. So I have not seen it. And I'm I'm a pretty big Elvis fan. I grew up, yeah. uh, because my dad loved Elvis and my grandfather too. I love Elvis. I think he's one of the greatest performers um, of all time. Um, yeah. And so I've I've really wanted to see it, but I haven't gotten a chance to. So I would love
1: to know what you thought. I think you're going to like it a lot then. If you're an Elvis fan, the two hours and 40 minutes of this movie, you might not feel it as much. Um, I'm definitely an Elvis fan. I, I've I've loved uh, Elvis's music growing up, mostly because of my mom and my aunt. Uh, constantly just listening to Elvis. One of, uh, my aunt's son, my cousin, <laughs> looks a lot like Elvis, a young Elvis. So he's always sort of dressed up and done his hair that way at times and taken certain black and white with, a, you know, a blue hue on the image and, and made himself to look like Elvis. But um, I will say, like, I didn't think I was going to like this movie as much as I did. Um, when we watched the – I think we did a trailer time for it at some point – um, and Justin and I were like, this is looking like it's way over dramatized. And I will say at times it is over dramatized, but I, I don't think when I was watching the trailer that I fully understood the concept of like who the movie is about. It's about Elvis. He changed music, uh, in general, uh, quite a bit. And so getting to see him at times, it's like they portray him as a superhero. And I didn't know this. I didn't know that he was a huge fan of Captain Marvel Jr. Uh, comic books when he was a little kid. And so, like, getting to to go through that and learn about that, it's interesting to see how the movie does sort of focus in and and it paints him. It almost feels like an early 2000s superhero movie at times. Like, the music when, like, a villain character comes on screen, they feel like supervillains. Like, it's, like, very, like... It's just sometimes it's like really cornball cheesy, but like at the same time, it works. It fits. Elvis is larger than life. And I think this movie feels that way in in mostly good ways and sometimes negative ways. I actually, you know, speaking of supervillains, I didn't enjoy Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker as much. I mean, you're supposed to not like the guy, but I, I felt his accent just really kind of irked me throughout the entire movie where I was just like, is this a Bond villain? What's going on? Like Tom Hanks is generally the reason
0: <clears throat> I want to go see a movie because right. he's in it. And and just based on the trailers, the I don't think the 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 prosthetics, the 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 fat suit that they have him in looked all that good, at least from the trailers. His accent did sound really forced and, and this is the you know, one of the all time greats we're talking about. And it just seems yeah. like he sort of lost the role and what he, he was trying to go for. And it did seem
1: very hokey and over the top just from the sm- small snippets in the trailers. Yeah, man, it's, I never quite got over it the entire time. And I was a little disappointed by that because I love Tom Hanks. I think he's, he's brilliant in, in a lot of his other roles, but this one didn't work. I will say though, Austin Butler, holy crap, dude, absolute shocker. I've obviously, he's a, a little bit newer to the scene and he was perfect. Like he was perfect as Elvis. I think, you know, um, I learned after watching it that like as young Elvis, he did all the singing and I was like blown away to hear about that. They only transition when he goes into older Elvis where they bring in the original recordings of Elvis Presley. um, Right. Just to get that deeper timber and everything. Yeah. And, and like, but this young skinny looking Austin Butler, Elvis was great. And there's moments where, you know, in the movie where I was looking at it and I was like, did they cut to like a real real footage of Elvis in this moment? And it was Austin Butler. So it was really, really cool. There's some moments where we get to see his Hollywood acting and they show like they literally recreate the look of those movies. It's so cool to see. Um, yeah. If you're an Elvis fan, you're going to love it. Go see it in the theaters. If you're not as much of an Elvis fan, but you're interested by the movie, I do think you could wait. I do think you could wait to see it. Uh, streaming. Uh, it won't be that long these days. They don't keep those movies too long off the stream platforms. Um, but the only other thing I'll say, again, without spoiling anything, it's 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 still not the it, it's it's not an uplifting <laughs> movie. I'll say that. That's all I'm gonna say. Obviously, for those who obviously know how Elvis, the story of Elvis goes, um, it's not. You're not gonna be walking out of that theater going like, "Wow, what a adventure!" Like you're. It's it's a bit of a, a down note but it's it's right. it's really impressive. I really I again I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would.
0: And now are you one last question
1: are you have you yep. been a big
0: Baz Lerman fan before? Um, you know, I can't
1: say I've seen a movie of his. I don't even think I've seen what's the big one that you told me to watch, Moulin Rouge. Uh,
0: Moulin Rouge, yeah. yeah. Okay, so this isn't going in with with because uh, he. I do still think you should check uh, his stuff out because I do think uh, you know liking musicals and everything uh, yeah. that you would enjoy some of his work. Um, okay, but so that's also been a bit of my concern is is if it borders too much on a musical rather than a movie about music. Uh,
1: definitely not. Definitely not. Beautiful. There's music. There's a lot of music in it. And I will say you're going to there's moments where I was just like kind of as a music fan and a, and a fan of, of Elvis's music giggling and sort of the way they use the music. Like they 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 mesh it with the score in certain ways where you hear themes of like, you know, you hear but it's done in like a negative note at the same time with the strings and like, dude, there's some really cool stuff that they do throughout. And like, you'll just sort of hear things the entire time that are these little audio Easter eggs. And it's a lot of fun. The only thing I will say that didn't work with the music for me, I know this is turning into a full review here. The only thing that didn't work for the music though, at times they start playing like hip hop and they start playing modern day music over top of some of these moments where, where they're kind of, you know, shifting from scene to scene or what have you. And I get the idea, I get the intention was to say Elvis has sort of helped shape what we know of, of of this modern music and even some of these genres, but it it did take me out of it in those moments. I was like, you know what, just stick to stick to Elvis music, stick to music from around that time, uh, stick to music from from his friends from BB King, uh, and and focus on that. And and I don't know. I did when, especially at the end. I think Lady Gaga. I think has a song, uh, not in the movie, but in the credits. Um, I'm, pretty okay, sure, okay. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if that was. There for a sec. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lady Gaga comes out on stage, performs with Elvis as a hologram. <laughs> no, uh, that does not happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I will say that was the only times where I've sort of like I don't really dig the. I, let's let's put it this way. I don't dig the soundtrack, but I do dig Elvis's original music and the score. Uh, from the movie, I think is really fantastic. Interesting, so, all of the modern day stuff is whatever. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, man. What's ya, Kevin? I've been I've been going on about the king. <laughs> yeah, what's you been? Uh, uh, no, up that's to?
0: that's good though because I don't have much to uh, to to contribute here just because. Mm. Um, you know, with with stuff going on in life, um, I had weeks of content to catch up on, including a few episodes of The Boys, Miss Marvel, oh yeah, uh, and a few other shows that I'm watching. So I it was it's pretty much been catch up week for me, um, but. I did get a chance to play a video game that I've been uh, dying to play Ooh. lately and hadn't had a chance yet. This one won't. This one won't thrill you too, too much. I, uh, unfortunately, um, but this weekend uh, I had planned on watching the Jays play three games in two days. There was a mm-hmm. doubleheader on Saturday and a game on Sunday, and all of those games were disastrous. The Jays were. Losing and pretty much done by you know the second, third inning often, and oh no. and if it if it's looking bad, sometimes I'll 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 change the channel for a bit. I always I always stay following the game because I want to know what's happening. But right. you know when you have 162 games a year, if the team's just not playing well that day, it's not always the best thing to to spend three hours just to watch them lose. You know, so totally, I uh, ended up turning off all three games and <laughs> shifting to some baseball of my own. As oh. I started playing uh, MLB The Show 22, yeah, I uh, so it. I was playing Road to the Show mode where you, you create your character and uh, start off in the minors. My career got off to a wonderful start as I was drafted by my beloved Blue Jays. Uh, started off in the organization for their AA affiliate, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. By the end of the weekend, I had put together a solid resume batting 338 with nine home runs and 32 RBIs, which Chief. was good enough to get called up to the Triple A Buffalo Bisons. So. I'm a few good weeks of playing ball away from getting the call-up to the Blue Jays, living the dream to play at the Rogers Center and go for a World Series. So uh, I, uh, I hadn't played the game in about four or five years. Yeah. Uh, and I will say, disappointingly, not much has changed. I'm not sure what it is about sports games, but they just... <laughs> They don't look much different than they did five or six years ago. I'm not sure if they're, other than updated rosters, what the point of buying a a version of the game every single year would be. Um, But it was fun to get back in there and and, and take some cracks at the bat.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, These sports games for me aren't really anything that I I immediately jump to, but I will say um, a lot of them are on Game Pass. So Xbox Game Pass actually does have the show Twenty Two. Uh, it's been one that I've been intrigued in uh, on on looking at, and if it's if it's right there on something I'm already paying for, then I might as well. Um, I've gotten into like golf games before. Uh, basketball games are a lot of fun. I love like NBA Street. I think is probably my favorite version of the basketball I like, games. I
0: like the arcade video games sometimes a bit more. Yeah. I mean, I find these these real based like the 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 true sport games. They're yeah. almost as hard as playing in real life now, like the <laughs> yeah. graphics haven't improved that much, but the fi- all the, the the physics and everything behind the game have gotten so real that it's yeah. like it's almost as hard to play. And like when I'm playing a video game, I want to just bash home runs. Yes. I want to be the best in the world, and it's hard to yeah. do in the realistic simulators. But those you know, those arcade style games, like you said, NBA the Streets, uh, used to be. Um, NHL Hits was big yep. on, uh, like, GameCube. N- uh, NFL you know, Blitz get, like, was another good head. one. Yeah. Oh, Blitz was amazing. <clears throat> yeah. What was the one? There was the old arcade NBA one, too, where you'd, like, the ball would start going on fire after you were throwing <laughs> three-pointers. Yeah, NBA Jam. I think it NBA was. Jam. Like, oh, those yeah, are, yeah, those games are dope. Those are those are a lot of fun for sure. And yeah. anybody can get into those, right? You don't really need to know too much about the sport. It's just outscore your opponent, which is yeah. why those, um, you know, the any of the the Mario sports games have just been so good and so fun and so inclusive. It's because you just pick up a controller and all you're trying to do is hit the tennis ball back or score some goals in soccer.
1: Yeah, man, Mario Strikers Battle League is great. It's on Switch now. Like. I don't know if you got a chance to play it but it is dude I'm I'm really loving it. I will say this though, probably the it, it it's easy to start and play, one of the most difficult of the games to master though if we're talking about difficulty. There's so many controls to sort of map out in your head, every button does a different thing. It's oh, not like see, you can just no, run and like realistic. mash A, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's but at the same time, it's not realistic because you've got a little mushroom toad man, you know, head button of a fiery <laughs> soccer ball uh, or football. But um, yeah, man, I, uh, I I I hear what you're saying with the with the sports games. I think those are probably the only ways that I'm gonna be ever playing these <laughs> sports. Um, so yeah, man, cool. All right. Sweet. Awesome. Well, that's it for this week in Geek. Thanks for tuning in wherever you
0: listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. And if you want to write into our show with your thoughts on this week's news, you can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's way too Avatar 1 for you and you're living in the now (laughs) like Avatar 2, hit us up on Twitter at geekcentricyt and Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Only Murders in the Building Seasons 2, Episodes 1 through 6, as well as The Man from Toronto and The Sea Beast. Keep your eyes peeled for our Thor Love and Thunder spoiler free review, which Darcy and Justin did, and uh, it's a lot of fun and got me super stoked to see this movie later this week. Uh, we also have a ton of awesome interviews. Please, please, please go check those out. Uh, like with Disney and Pixar's Lightyear director Angus McClain, producer Galen Sussman, and composer Michael Giacchino, as well as our interviews with directors Adil and Bilal, who directed episode one and six of Miss Marvel, and most recently, Justin interviewed Obi-Wan Kenobi director Deborah Chow and Anakin Skywalker himself, Hayden Christensen. Uh, and There's uh, great moments between Justin and Hayden discussing fatherhood and, and all things Star Wars. Uh, so go give those a listen and a five-star review if you don't mind. And finally, we have a review for Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2, where we talk about all of the amazingness that happened on the show and even return to the pineapple on pizza debate. Plus, we'll have our spoiler-filled thoughts on The Boys Season 3 and Thor Love and Thunder coming later this week. But until next time, Nate, thanks for joining me for This Week in Geek. And as we say... Love ya. Get home safe, guys. Peace. Peace.